90% of Christians have a desire to please Jesus. 90%. That's a big number, right? A good number, too. Yet only half that number read the Bible more than once a week. What's the connection? Jesus said, if you love me, or if you love him, we will obey his commands. And so reading the Bible is an act of obedience and is an act of demonstrating love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, if you love me, you will obey me. You will do what I say. He has shown us how to obey and please him through the Bible. I'll look at an event in the life of Ezra shows us the important role the Bible plays in a sustained, close walk with God. So here's the setting. The work of rebuilding the fortified wall around Jerusalem went surprisingly quickly. 52 days, to be exact, according to Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 15. But Nehemiah's work in Jerusalem did not end with the completion of the wall. For at least 12 years, he served as governor of Judah, according to chapter 5, verse 14. At some point following the restoration of the wall, and while Nehemiah was governor, he and Ezra, described, led the people in a renewal of their covenant with God. The first question that we have today to ponder is, when has following someone's directions taken you someplace unexpected? You ever had someone who gave you directions and you followed them to the tea and they didn't turn out? We've all had that experience, right? Uh, and so we, some people just can't give directions properly. Okay, but um, we are we we have uh, at times been given directions and uh, and even sometimes shortcuts and uh, and didn't turn out to be a shortcut after all. It turned out to be a really long cut because we got lost. Um, and then of course there is now in our age of technology GPS. How many of you have used GPS? Okay, did it work well for you? Sometimes. <laughs> At first, sometimes. Okay, yeah, we, we've had that too. Uh, we are, you lost the signal, and then the GPS cut out the end. Huh? And then it freezes up. And then you actually lost, because you don't know what to do next. Okay? I remember one time we were traveling, down and uh, we lost the GPS signal, and uh, we, had to, we had to drive around and... and um, Park until we got got the signal back uh, to be able to continue. Uh, it's uh, it's fun <laughs> to say the least. Okay, with this new technology that we have, um, and then of course we oftentimes find shortcuts to get to where we want to go. Okay, uh, Sister Beth, do you have a shortcut to get home? I know one, but we never take it. <laughs> how, how do you get home from here? How do you get home from Calvary? We go down Collins and we go all the way down um, East Bay to Eastern Road and get okay. to High Vista that way. Okay. But I know we can cut through Blair. Uh, Blair. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I normally, whenever I went down there, I normally get through Blair, yes. uh, which is a which is a nice shortcut, uh, rather than going all the way down. Okay. And of course, we all have these shortcuts. Uh, you know, we were driving yesterday, and uh, my wife said, turn through here. And this is a shortcut that she takes. And I said, I don't know that way. You know, I go through that, I'm going to get lost. So she said, when we got to now, she said, okay, turn through here. So I turned through there, 
And, uh, and she so said, now where do we go? She said, go straight down. And when I got straight, then I recognized the area. Oh, yeah. so, I was in, so I said, okay, I'm not lost anymore. I know where I am. But we all have these shortcuts that we take to get to where we want to go. I wish there was one on Friday. After the, the VBS, I tried to get home and I had an appointment at my office for 12.30. And the program for 2.30, the program finished at 2, exactly at 2. And when I got out to the traffic, I, that line was so long. I, and I've never seen the line that long. So I wish I had a shortcut there. I didn't get to the office until about 3 o'clock. Okay. Bible meets life. Here's what it says, since you don't have it. Remember road maps? We used to unfold a huge map, pinpoint our destination, and follow the snarl of roads and turns until we, get, we got there. Then came the hard part, folding up the map afterwards. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> I mean, those maps are so... You, you get one little thing, and when you open up, there's this huge thing. And, and you know, I was really uncomfortable with that sometimes, because if you're driving in a, in a, in a, in a place, you, you're, you're traveling, and you have this map, you know, people know you're a visitor, because you've got this big map, you know, and you become a target. You know, so I never liked that. Okay, goes on. Now, most of us rely on GPS. Just type in the desired destination and the GPS or phone app leads us right to where we want to go. The app will even give verbal instructions, reminding us when and what direction to turn, or when to make a U-turn, or to turn back on course. Life is so much easier now, or is it? Our phones can still go dead. Or we can drive into an area of bad cell service. And even like the old school maps, the GPS may not even may not be updated with new or changing roads. We can still get lost. Thankfully, God gave us a different kind of road map for life. One that never fails. This map, his word, gives us its directions on how to live and is our fuel for spiritual renewal. The Israelites knew this in the days of Nehemiah, and it's a truth we should hold today. So the point of the lesson today then is God's word is fuel for a consistent lifestyle. God's word is fuel for a consistent lifestyle. I had a fellow at uh, one of the mechanics here at Calvary. I had to go to him one day to um, get get a, to check a car, uh, some problems with the car, and I, I, I called him, you know, I WhatsApp him, and I said, okay, uh, where are you located, how can I get to you, and he had, a, he had a GPS app, and he says, just I just gave you the GPS app, just follow that, I said, boy, that's, that's me, you know, so I clicked onto the, the GPS, and I'm driving, and it led me to the wrong place, <laughs> you know, it was close, it was closed, but it kept cutting off. You know, I don't know, if, I guess bad sig signal or something. It kept cutting off, and when I finally got to this place, and I said, I, I called him, and I said, I didn't know you were here. He says, I don't. <laughs> I'm across the street. You know, so it led me to the wrong place. Well, it was close. It was close, though. It was close. But a lot of people use that technology today. Okay, let's look at what the Bible says. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. 
And I'm going to read the first... Uh, let's have someone read the first three verses of Nehemiah chapter 8. And all the people gathered as one spirit, which was in front of the water gate. And they asked all the other scribes to bring the book of the law to Moses, which the law had given to Israel. Then Israel the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who were listening to understand on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it before the spirit, which was in front of the water gate. Okay. The completion of the wall occurred about on the 25th day of the sixth month in the Jewish calendar. And the events of Nehemiah 8, 8 Nehemiah chapter 8 occur on the first day of the seventh month. And so as soon as the, the borders were secure, they had the time and the energy to focus on a what is called a spiritual awakening. And so the people gathered in the square right in front of the water gate. And uh, this gate was a, was a gate in the wall leading to, to the Gihon Spring, which is a popular popular point in the community and community life at that time and the people didn't gather just merely to socialize uh, like uh, some do today they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses and to read to the crowd Nehemiah emphasized the desire among the people to hear the word to hear the word of the Lord and the people took initiative Boy, wouldn't it be great for people to do that today, eh? When it comes to the Word. They called for the reading of the Word. They asked, they requested the reading of the Word. That doesn't happen too often today. You know, in some churches, people don't even want to read the Word. Okay. Here's another paragraph from the personal study guide that I want to read. God sent Nehemiah to Jerusalem to help his people restore their city from the outside in. Through the work and ministry of both Nehemiah and Ezra the priests, the Israelites not only rebuilt the walls of the city, the walls and the city, but their lives as well. In Nehemiah 8, the Jewish people gathered to celebrate all that had happened. Actually, this is more than a celebration. It was a time of rededication. The gathering occurred in the seventh month of the year, which is significant because the Jews celebrated three events during that month. Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Boots. Every seven years during the Feast of Boots, God's word was to be read before his people. The Jews of Nehemiah's time had recaptured the significance of their festivals and realized the importance of the book of the law of Moses. They were hungry to hear what God had to say, which meant two things. One, they were dedicated to listening to the word of God. People listened to Ezra and others read and explained the word of God from 
early in the morning until midday. You get that? From early in the morning until midday. In other words, they listened to the word of God for six hours. You know, people don't want to spend one hour in church. You know, amazing. That's the first thing. Secondly, they were attentive to the word. Okay? To be attentive means to concentrate, be observant, and be focused. The people's hearts and minds were not fixed on simply listening to the words, but on retaining the truth from the law being read and explained to them. That's supposed to happen in church today too when the word is read. Okay? But instead people shuffle around, they look at their watch, and they look at the clock. You know, I remember a fellow one time went to church and uh, the pastor said he's going to preach on all the minor prophets. <laughs> right? And, uh, and then this fellow was there and he was anxious and he kept holding up his hand because he don't like staying in church long. And then he, after a while he started to hold his watch up. Preacher didn't pay any attention to him. And then finally, preacher says, Oh, you know, I forgot one of the prophets. I forgot Micah. I need to talk about Micah. Fella couldn't take it anymore. He says, The preacher said, Now, where do I put Micah since I missed him out? Fella got up and said, You can give him my seat because I'm going home. But people don't like to concentrate anymore. And so, two things they did. They were dedicated to listening to the Word of God, and they were attentive to the Word of God. Since God's Word really is the fuel for sustained restoration in our lives, we must give it, to the, give it the priority it deserves. Let's be people who have such a hunger for God that our lives overflow with dedication and attentiveness to His Word. And that's the end of the paragraphs in the personal study guide. The next question we have is, how do our circumstances impact the way we approach the Bible? How do our circumstances impact the way we approach the Bible? In other words, whenever we go through something, does the Word of God have any impact on our lives in terms of what do we do or how we deal with that particular circumstances? I think a lot of times we don't understand the word. We really do really don't understand it because understanding brings joy. And a lot of times we don't understand. We read it and then we read it once. Most of the times we are not settled and relaxed to say this is the time I'm going to spend in the word of God. We always so hurry. But here you can see a lot of times they say understanding, understanding. Even the Bible said, all you're getting yet, understanding. That's right. A lot of times I hear from someone else, I heard this before, I see, I don't even know this, understanding. Now that's important because yeah. without understanding, there will be no relevancy to any circumstance oh. that you go through. If you don't understand it, how can you have? Any, how can you apply that to any circumstance that you go through? Okay, so you see how important it is to understand. And this is what the people, this is what the Levites did. They understood. They, they, they were attentive uh, to what was being read 
And not only was it being read, but it was being explained to them so that they had an understanding, so that whenever a situation or circumstance came up in their lives, they could look back on the Word of God and be able to apply the Word of God to that circumstance or that situation they're going through. So it's important to understand. Yeah, there's a prayer. Open now mine eyes that I may behold wondrous truth out of your law. That's a prayer that we should pray every time before we read the Word of God. They had a desire for the Word. They had a desire, yes. Now, and you're not going to get anything out of the Word of God unless you have a desire for it. If it's, you know, when the, when the Senate prayer was read at the funeral yesterday, at my sister's funeral, the pastor read, and he said, uh, repeat after me. And when he started to pray, not many people were praying. And he stopped and he said, I said, repeat after me. Now, some of those people were, were forced to say that prayer. So many, I don't think many of them were genuine. So my wife said, you know, we need to hope and pray that those people who prayed the sinner's prayer were genuine in their prayer. And, and what they prayed. You know you, you know, you can't really force a person to get saved. And I heard a lot of people saying that prayer. You know, so uh, my prayer is that uh, many of those who, who prayed would be, would be genuine in, in what they prayed. Okay, the next passage then is uh, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8. Someone read verses 4 to 6, please. That's one with those big names, those funny names. Uh, all right, let me, re- you, let me read it. Because okay. <laughs> we want everybody to get tongue-tied and say the wrong thing, right? Ezra, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. Mithathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah stood beside him on his right. To his left were Padiah, Mishal, Malkajiah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalem. People don't name their children those names these days. Okay. Ezra opened the book in full view. You know, uh, my, by the way, my, my sister had two sons. One is named Jakiro and one is named Jakaro. And everybody always gets them mixed up. You know, when they went up to the funeral yesterday to speak, the younger one said, I am, whatever his name was, he says, I'm the handsome one. Okay. But I, those boys are, what, the oldest one is 25? And I still can't get the names right. Okay, I don't know which one is Jakaro and which one is Jakiro. Okay, and, and that's, those are simple names. But to have names like these, I wonder how old these, these people had to be before they could actually call their names. <laughs> Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people, since he was elevated above everyone. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Verse 6, Ezra, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And of course we know what Amen means, right? Okay, an expression of support or affirmation. In other words, you're agreeing to confirm, not only to confirm, but to support and uphold what has been saying. So be careful when you say amen, because when you say amen, you agree to everything that was said before the amen. 
And if you don't follow through, we know what happens, right? We have to give an account for everything. Okay, so it's an affirmation of truthfulness of a spoken prayer, praise, or teaching. Okay, um, there are three ways that uh, the people responded to God's word. Uh, with the, when they said those amen, so three things that they agreed to uh, that demonstrated their respect for the authority of God's word. The first one was they had their hands uplifted. We see people do that sometimes, right? Okay, and that's a good affirmation. The lifting of hands was an outward symbol of worship and prayer. So it's okay to do that, folks. As people heard the word of God read, they began to worship and commune with God. And the lifting of hands was an indication of that. Second, the people cried out, Amen, Amen, as they heard the word of God. By doing so, they were repeating an expression that indicated their submission to the authority of the Word of God. By repeating it twice, they were doubly emphasizing the importance of the words they heard. Now, do we often hear that expression twice? Sometimes. Only sometimes, right? Sometimes you would hear people say, Amen and Amen. It's the same thing. Jews have said, Amen, Amen. And then thirdly, the people bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The word for bowed down occurs 15 times in the Old Testament. And it is always followed by the verb to worship. Bowing with their faces to the ground illustrated their humility and reverence for the word of God. So it's okay to bow. Sometimes people think that's only for the Muslims to do. Okay? Muslims are real committed and dedicated to doing that. They bow down to the ground. And, yeah, but it's okay for God's people to do that. Uh, it's an act of illustrating humility for the reverence of the Word of God or for God Himself. Okay, now there's an exercise here. Since you don't have your sheets, we'll go over that. We'll skip over that one. Uh, the Bible office needed fuel for our spiritual lives. you believe that? The Bible offered needed fuel for our spiritual lives. Someone coined a phrase the other day that when you go to church, you're supposed to pull up and pull up. Well, this verse kind of bears that out. Therefore, think of ways you could incorporate God's ways into different phases of your day. And then it has four of them here. It says choose two. One is working, relaxing, driving, and resting. Think of two of those ways you can phase God into uh, your day. And I think some of us do that. I know I do it when I'm driving. When I'm driving, I'm usually praying. Uh, and then, of course, when I'm working, sometimes I'm praying because sometimes you got to pray when you get, you got to pray when you have challenges, right? And you can't figure them out by yourself, so you ask God to give you some guidance. So that's that's at least two of them we can we can factor into our, our phrase, but we can be creative with that as well. Okay, here's another excerpt from the personal study guide that I'm going to. I'm going to read here. As the Jews gathered to hear Ezra, and I quote, As the Jews gathered to hear Ezra read, they showed great honor and respect for the scriptures. As he opened it, all the people stood up, according to verse 5. Ezra didn't have to ask people to stand. 
it was, it was likely a customary act of honor, even in submission. Pause. Today we have to ask people to stand when we read the Word of God. That is not an automatic thing. Okay? I continue. We see the same thing today when a bride walks down the aisle for at a wedding. The congregation stands in honor. When the President of the United States enters a room, the people stand in honor. When we sing the national anthem, we stand in honor to our country. We stand as a way of expressing the worth of a person or event. When the people of God stood to receive the word of God, they were publicly displaying their belief that what was happening, hearing the word of God, was important. When Ezra opened the book, he was moved to praise God, and all the people responded with worship. With their hands lifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. This was a declaration of worship and submission to the authority of Scripture. What a wonderful picture of God's people responding to God's word. The Israelites were deeply moved as they heard and understood the words of the law. Responding to God's word is one of the greatest pathways to spiritual renewal. As we renew our walk with God and experience personal revival, God is the fuel that sustains us and keeps us spiritually moving forward. I'm not talking about a quick momentary response to God's word that fades after a while. We need a consistent lifestyle of sensitivity before God. His word holds us accountable. To turn our previous to return to our previous metaphor, the Bible is the map that keeps us on the path of renewal and revival. When we stray, it holds us accountable and shows us the way back. End of quote. Okay, the next question we have then is, what's the connection between engaging the Bible and worshiping God? What's the connection between engaging the Bible and worshiping God? There's a connection there. What is that? Anybody? Hmm? Obeying. Okay. Yeah, because you, if, you, if you don't obey, then what's the whole purpose? Right? Why are you reading if you're not going to obey? Okay, so that's a good connection uh, between engaging and worshipping. The last pa- passages, uh, verses, uh, well, with those 20 names again, uh, verses 7 and 8, uh, read, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jezebad, Anan, Goliath, who were Levites, explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. Boy, isn't that powerful? Ezra not only read the scripture, according to verse 7, he also wanted to, be, wanted to make sure the people understood accurately what they were hearing. Because do you know that sometimes people say something and different people hear something different? Remember the game he used to play? Let me read it in this version. Go ahead. Go ahead. They read 
from the book of the law and clearly explain the meaning of the Christian bread, helping the people understand each passage. Now I can tell you that don't happen too often today in churches. Okay? Um, that doesn't happen very often. You know, when we were going home from the funeral yesterday, my, my sister, uh, my other sister, uh, said, you know, I like the way that preacher, um, he didn't preach like I normally hear. And so my wife said, yes, he taught, he didn't preach. And that's what many people don't have today. You know, they are accustomed to a lot of people hooping and hollering and screaming and yelling, and they call it preaching. Okay, but here, what we have is the teaching of the Word of God to the extent where the people understood what was read. And I tell you, people's lives would be a lot more different if we have a lot more of that today in the churches uh, that, that people attend, uh, attend to. And so Ezra not only read the scriptures, but he also wanted to make sure that the people understood accurately what they were hearing. The scripture needed to be explained. Why? The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And these people had to spend their entire lives in a foreign country where Hebrew was not the official language. There was likewise a cultural gap between them and the Hebrew scriptures. They may have needed help understanding the cultural customs reflected in the scriptures. And then, to ensure that the people understood the scripture, 13 Levites, those names we mentioned, 13 of them, Levites assisted Ezra by explaining the law. They helped bridge the cultural gap between the Babylonian captivity and their return to Jerusalem. Eight of the 13 expositors were later, would later participate in the public confession of the people in, in uh, chapter 9 of Nehemiah. And at least nine of them signed the covenant, as recorded in chapter 10. The phrase, as they stood in their places, may indicate that they moved among the crowd as Ezra read, ensuring that all could understand the scripture. This could have meant that the law was read in manageable segments, so that the people could grasp each section and ask questions as they needed a fuller understanding. So now we can understand why it took six hours, right? <laughs> right? It says it took six hours. So now we understand because it, 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 the reading of the Lord didn't, in its context, in its title, take six hours. What took six hours was what they did. They read and they explained, they did it in sections, and they went through the card to make sure everybody understood. So now we can get a better understanding of why it took six hours. Uh huh. They have statistics of South America of religion down here. From Mexico straight down. They found out that South America was, let's say, 90% Catholic. Mm -hmm. they, took, they took a statistic this year about the whole situation and, of course, hope being from Argentina. Not a long story short, the same thing that you say has happened. Now the Catholics down there are not satisfied with the way they teach it, so they go on the right track. So therefore, they drop, let's say, from 90% to 
down to about 65%. And the question was asked, why do you need to be Catholic to go to another church? Mm. The answer was very clear. The Catholic goes by tradition. We go by the understanding of the word. Again, all mechanical churches that we get from the Catholic churches. Um, since when the Pope is coming, well, the Pope is from the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And therefore, South America, what was, what, let's say, every Catholic area, now it is not the case. And it comes to the same thing that you were saying right now. Mm-hmm. The way it has been explained. Explained, exactly. And that's important. You know, you have a lot of people going to churches today, and uh, they would leave a church service and boy, our preacher put a good sermon today. And you ask them, well, what was it? I don't know, but it was good. <laughs> you know, because a lot of people, they don't, they don't listen, and it's not explained. It's not explained. And we have a lot of that going on today. Okay, our time is pretty much winding down. So let me uh, uh, go to the uh, live it out section here. We have a couple more questions, but uh, one question is, uh, when have you received, when have you recently been affected or convicted by your study of God's Word? And that, that should happen if we are attentive to reading the, God, the Word of God like the, the Israelites, the Jews did. If we are attentive, in, we will can be convicted. And then the other question is, what steps can you take to better understand and apply God's Word? And of course, our lesson today tells us what we need to do, right? Uh, make sure we understand. So if you're, if you're being taught the Word of God and you don't understand, you have an opportunity to get understanding, by all means get it. Find out from the teacher or the preacher what he's saying so that you can understand it. And then to live it out, uh, read up. Point number one, read up. Make a habit of reading the Bible every day. A devotional book or magazine can help you get started, but give God uninterrupted time to speak through his word. That's point number one. God wants to speak, but we don't let him speak because we don't read his word, as we should. And then listen up. It's the next next point. Make yourself attentive to God's word by taking notes. Write down what you hear God saying to you. Some people keep a journal, and they write down what God says to them, and they go back uh, to those notes. Set up, step up and lead. At this point, lead a small group or Bible study. Teach children or students at your church. Uh, Sister Marguerite mentioned she did that this week in VBS after a long time. Okay? So Sister Marguerite can do it. We all can do it, right? Okay, there's no time limit on the ability to do that. Okay, some folks say, well, you know, I've passed that stage or I, you know, whatever. The greatest way to learn scripture is to teach them to understand, teach them to someone else. The greatest way to learn scripture is to teach them to someone else, because as you prepare to teach it, you're learning. Okay? You're learning. 